Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. I'm Rochelle Vanderzaden here with Corey Janoff, as always. Hello. And we wanted to talk about something that a lot of clients ask us about today, which is what should I do first? Should I put money towards my debt or should I save for retirement? And I feel like this becomes a big issue for people as they transition into practice, but really anytime you have excess cash flow, that's often a question that comes up. So today we're gonna to talk about how to prioritize. So if you have debt, maybe you wanna pay it off immediately, maybe that's really not the best choice for you. Um, we also know that a lot of people are getting a little bit late to the retirement savings game, so that becomes a really high priority for people too. So we're gonna help you figure out what to focus on first and in what order. So let's do a whole episode about that. <laughs> and Corey, what do you normally suggest people start with? The, my favorite answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really does depend on the circumstances, what's going on, goals, priorities, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish, what your debt package looks like, um, what your you know, expenses look like and everything. You know, do you have anxiety when it comes to your debts or are you okay hanging on to them? You know, it's going to be different for everyone. So I think really burrowing down um, and, and customizing a strategy for each individual is important. That being said, there are, you know, some general rules of thumb that we'll get into here today. But I think kind of the biggest thing and the overarching theme with all this is to make sure that we're using our money productively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what that means is once you pay off one debt, maybe don't make that a permission slip to go take out another debt, you know, all right, car loans paid off. Great. Let's go buy a boat and finance it. Cause we can then take our 600 a month that was going towards the car and use it to go towards the new boat loan. And now that the boat's paid off, Oh, let's go buy some new furniture for the house. And we can, you know, take the 600 a month going to the boat and use it on a, you know, interest-free furniture loan. You know, if we're just using debt to fund lifestyle expenses, that's not making forward progress. So we definitely want to, whether it's invest or pay down debt, make sure that we're making forward progress with our, towards our financial goals. Do you feel like you have a lot of clients that do that? Um, not a lot, okay. but I, I definitely there's, there's some people out there who get just stuck on that hamster wheel and, and aren't really mm -hmm. making a whole lot of progress, and it's just always expenses, expenses, expenses. Um, you know, on the flip side, if we're only investing and not putting any money towards debt, you know, that could create some stress on people too. You know, I think mm -hmm. when we talked with, with Jimmy Turner a while back, he was talking about a big weight that was lifted off his shoulders is when he paid off all of his debt, not counting the mortgage. Right. You know, once you get rid of your debts, that's, you know, you can definitely have more flexibility with your lifestyle. You know, you don't need to earn as much income to fund the lifestyle that you want to live when you don't have money going towards debt. Um, so that, that could be a big you know, step for people in the right direction towards financial independence. Mm -hmm, so. Absolutely. And everyone has competing goals. And I think it's really important to focus on them strategically. I do feel like one thing that people maybe don't pay enough attention to is interest rates. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge driver of what makes the most sense on like a, a cost benefit analysis basis. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at debts, for example, it's really important to understand what the interest rates are on your debts. It's kind of surprising how many people we talk to who don't know what the interest rates are on their credit cards or their student loans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we're looking at debt in general, it's important to prioritize, okay, well, what debts are we looking at? Like, if I'm gonna tell you whether or not you should put extra toward your debt, it absolutely depends on what those debts are. So if we're looking at high interest rate credit card debt, 
then yes, get rid of it. <laughs> you know, like bottom line, yes, please do. <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know if people realize this, but with credit cards, they can charge you up to almost 30%. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them do get in those higher ranges, like high 20s and things like that. So Absolutely. that's such a huge, a huge thing that's coming out of your pocket every year, especially if you're carrying high balances on those credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. And anyone who's worked with us has probably heard us reference, you know, the seven or eight percent rule mm-hmm. before, or if you've been to one of our seminars, kind of a, a line that we like to draw in the sand is right around that seven percent interest rate mark. Mm-hmm. So take all of your debts, line them up by interest rate. Any debts with interest rates above seven or percent or so, we're probably going to be big advocates of getting rid of that before doing anything else. Uh, below 7% interest, more case-by-case basis, the lower Mm -hmm. the interest rate, the better. Uh, But that's kind of our our pain tolerance threshold. Absolutely, yeah. And then, like, the credit cards are normally above that 7%. Another example of something that might be above that 7% is, like, personal loans. So Mm -hmm. some people take out personal loans or relocation loans, things like that, to kind of make it work for them as they're transitioning between jobs and, you know, as you're getting ready to get out of training. And if you are carrying that 8 9 10% personal loan, that's another one that we want to try to attack aggressively. But like you said, Corey, line them up by interest rate. So if your credit card has a higher interest rate than your personal loan, pay off your credit card first and then your personal loan. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and, you know, part of the reason why we draw that line at around 7, and it's going to be different for everyone, but, you know, and this was, I would look at this often when I first got into the business and would try and help people decide should we invest or pay down debt. You know, you'd look at what's the long-term average rate of return you can get in the stock market. And, you know, historically, it's probably going to be around, you know, seven or eight, sometimes higher, depending on which time period you're looking at. So, you know, if you have a debt below seven, you know, you're, you're better off long-term according to the spreadsheet by mm-hmm. investing that extra money. Cause you know, if you can get 8% on your investments long-term and you're giving up 7% on your debts, you know, you're netting a positive 1% over the long run. And again, in a spreadsheet format that, that works great. Um, but in the real world, it, it doesn't always work that great. So I, I've become, um, you know, a little more flexible over the years. And, and my big shtick now is just making sure we're putting that money towards a productive measure. You know, whether it's invest or pay down debt, both are good. It's mm-hmm. a win-win situation. You mm-hmm. know, I could make arguments for one over the other and show you, you know, math and stuff to support those arguments. Uh, but I think as long as we're putting those extra dollars towards productive uses, we're moving in the right direction. And then from there, we can burrow down further. All right, do we really think, you know, long term, we're going to be better off investing this money? And that depends on how risk averse you are. If you're a very Mm -hmm. risk averse person, you may not be inclined to think that the stock market's going to perform in the future the way that it has in the past. And that's okay. Like we can kind of prioritize things based on how risk averse clients are too. Yeah. And depending on the interest rate on the debt too, Mm -hmm. you know, for someone that has say a five or 6% interest rate debt. Uh, versus, you know, a one or 2% interest rate Mm -hmm. debt, you know, the argument for investing, if you have a 1% interest rate debt is going to be a lot stronger than the argument for investing while you're carrying a five or 6% interest rate Mm -hmm. debt. And I look at it, you know, if you're, if you have a 5% interest rate, student loan, Mm -hmm. credit card, whatever, um, you know, probably not a credit card, auto (laughs) loan, but, uh, um, you know, you're essentially guaranteeing yourself a 5% rate of return by paying that off. 
which is great. There's no investment out there that'll guarantee you a 5% rate of mm-hmm. return because you're freeing up that interest expense that you would otherwise be paying over time. You know, uh, right now, you know, the 10-year, when we're recording this end of February, the 10-year treasury is at an all-time low. It's at like 1.3%. So basically, the, the risk-free return you can get is about one3 So getting a guaranteed 5 looks pretty attractive. Absolutely. Long-term stock market, though, you'll, you know, you might be able to do better than that. Historically speaking, you can. But any given year, you're never going to be near an average. Mm -hmm. You know, if we look just the last few years, 2017 was great. You were probably up, you know, 15% in a diversified stock portfolio. 2018, you were down 10 or 15%. 2019, you're up 20 plus percent. So far in, in 2020, when this gets released, to be determined, start of the year was good. The last, you know, week of February were, was awful mm-hmm. <laughs> with the coronavirus. But, uh, but you know, over a long-term period of time, we'd like to think that, you know, you could probably do better than 3 or 4 or 5% in a diversified investment portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think student loans are something we have to – we always have to have a separate larger conversation about them, obviously. Like, if we're working towards PSLF, that's just different. If you do want to just pay off your student loans, chances are refinancing to a lower interest rate loan probably makes sense. The federal government loans, they tend to be 6%, 7%. So if you do have a good credit score, you should be able to lower that pretty significantly if you just want to pay off your student loans. So if we are able to get that interest rate down to 4 or 5%, maybe we don't want to look at those in a vacuum and just concentrate solely on our student loans. I do feel like people get tunnel vision with student loans. Like, I have to just get rid of them. But sometimes it makes sense. Like, we want to make sure we're doing some retirement savings too because obviously that's valuable as well. But just like you said, if we're using money productively, it's not a waste of money to put money towards student loans. Mm-hmm. It's not a waste of money to put more money towards retirement savings. Well, and I would make an argument, too, if you are refinancing your student loans to a lower interest rate, odds are you're also going on a shorter payment plan than required. You know, you might be doing a 5- or 7- or 10-year payment plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing a 5-year payment plan on your student loans, I, you're you're making extra payments. You're you know? already paying them down aggressively. Even though your your new term is only you know a five year or is a five year span, and you're just paying the minimum, but that's you know way more than what you would have been required to pay if you left them as federal loans. So mm-hmm. we're already on a more aggressive track and quote unquote paying extra to our student loans by doing that more aggressively. Yeah. And those lower interest rate loans that we may not need to pay a whole lot extra on are things like auto loans and mortgages doesn't mean that you can't pay extra on them it's just let's do that last you know like let's make sure we're saving enough for retirement first let's not ignore that and and try to pay down debt that has a really low interest rate and isn't affecting you too terribly and that's assuming you got a mortgage recently mortgage rates recently have been really low but they haven't always been so if you have an older mortgage it could be a higher interest rate loan you probably refinanced if you did have you an older probably mortgage, should yeah. so <laughs> if you're not under five um, percent on your mortgage right now then right. you know talk to your bank absolutely and there are some common misconceptions i feel like with debt people are very debt averse and just assume that all debt is bad which it's not necessarily like when you can finance something at a very low interest rate and put more of your excess cash flow towards other productive uses like retirement savings, that's a good use of your money. That's a good use of a financing tool. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult for people to be able to get into a home and pay cash. Like, we're not expecting anyone to do that. So there's there's not, I feel like there's not, like, a, a bad 
mortgage, I guess. I mean, obviously, you could make some poor choices there. But let's I, not too finance much too much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but mortgages are a very useful tool. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned that word productively again in that again, sense. Yeah. You know, it's important that we are using that productively. If we are refinancing and lowering our monthly payment, we need to make sure with the money that we're, quote unquote, saving that we're putting it to productive use. If you're just using that saved money to go, you know, spend more on lifestyle, mm-hmm. you're not going to accelerate your your goals at all. But if you're mm-hmm. using that savings and putting it towards the kid's college fund or putting it towards your own retirement or putting it towards other debts that may have higher interest rates or, you know, putting it towards your mortgage to pay it off even faster, that's productive. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, we don't expect you to be productive with 100% of your income. <laughs> Correct. we got to have some fun. Exactly. Let's just be on track to meet our goals <laughs> and then have fun. Yeah, it's kind of hard. Like, uh, obviously, everyone's goals are a little bit different, too. Yeah. But, So, yeah. speaking of goals, so when we're looking at this decision, you know, I think the order of operations, um, you know, and we're maybe going a little out of order from what we That's planned okay. here. But, yeah. you know, the, the high interest rate credit cards and personal loans, just let's get rid of those. Um, the only exception would be is if you have a, a match on your employer-sponsored retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Let's get the free money that they're offering us. You put in a dollar, they put in a dollar up to a certain percent. You know, Maybe they'll match you dollar for dollar up to 6% of your income. Mm-hmm. Well, let's contribute 6% of our income to that. Because even if we have a credit card with 30% interest, if we're getting a guaranteed 100% rate of return from the 100% employer match on our contribution, you know, that's better. Yeah, that's better. So <laughs> Even if you're getting a 50% match, which yeah. a lot of employers do. If you contribute 6% and they contribute 3%, that's still a, a lot of money that they're giving you. Immediate 50% rate of return Love on it. your money. You put in a dollar, they put in 50 cents. You're at a dollar 50 instantly. You're not, I mean, no mm-hmm. debt out there unless you're dealing with some loan sharks for some <laughs> shady gambling op- activities <laughs> that you're involved in. Um, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're going to, your, your debts are going to be lower than that. So let's get the free money first and foremost, mm-hmm. get rid of those high interest rate credit cards, personal loans that are really eating away at your net worth and preventing you from making forward progress. And then let's take a step back and pause for a second. What are our goals? What do we want to accomplish? When do we want to accomplish them by? We're probably not going to be able to do everything in the mm-hmm. time frame that we want to, but what's most important to us? And let's make sure we're setting ourselves up to be on track to at least achieve the important stuff within the time frame that we want to. And that'll help guide your decision of whether you should invest towards some of those long-term goals or pay down debt here in the short term. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think one goal that we have for our clients generally is to save about 20% of their income for retirement. It's not always that percentage, but mm-hmm. I feel like that is a good way for people to play catch up a little bit when they have extended periods of time and training. So your number may be different, but that's kind of a good general rule of thumb that we have. So if you have all of those bad debts knocked out, and if you feel like you're making progress on your student loans, if you have them, and the rest of the debt in your picture is fairly low interest, let's work towards hitting that 20% savings goal. Let's mm-hmm. make sure we're putting enough aside for retirement so that we can live comfortably when we get there. Now, you know, where this 20% comes from, you know, I think people, if they have a better understanding of things and the why behind it, they're mm-hmm. more inclined to actually implement it. So, you know, we've done the math enough times with people. Most doctors are entering practice in their early to mid-30s. Some are later, but, you know, call it by your mid-30s, most people are in practice. Um, 
you know, if you're, if you save 20% of your income, you know, from your early to mid thirties and do that, you know, until your early to mid sixties, mm -hmm. you should be in a good position to be able to scale back and retire and live a comfortable lifestyle, similar to the lifestyle you got used to living while you were working. Not guaranteed, of course, everyone's going to be different, but you know, as a general rule, again, we've, we've done the math and, and that should put you on a pretty good track for success. Now, if you're starting later, or maybe retiring in your mid-60s is not appealing to you, you want to retire in your mid-50s, we might need to save more than 20% in order to uh, be able to reach that goal. Yep. Now, maybe you're okay with scaling down your lifestyle in retirement. Maybe you want to work forever. Maybe you want to work forever. <laughs> um, you know, so, so everyone's different, but kind of that's where that general rule comes from. If, you, if you're starting in your early to mid-30s, really saving at that point, and you do that for, you know, 25, 30 years, we should be, you know, setting ourselves up for a, a successful retirement at that point if we want to scale back and stop working altogether. Um, so that, you know, that 20% mark is important. For a lot of you listening, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in finances and ultimately achieving financial independence, maybe sooner rather than later. So that, that number might be, it's a minimum of 20% of your income going away for your future. It might be 25 or 30% for you. And if you're doing that and not paying down your student loans aggressively, you're still making progress towards your goals. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Well, and this is where kind of that snowball effect comes in. Let's mm -hmm. say you're not necessarily saving a full 20% of your income for retirement, but you're putting all of your extra income towards those student loans the first couple of years in practice. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say you go from residency into an attending role and your after-tax income jumps by 150000 and maybe you upgrade lifestyle just a tiny bit, but you take, you know, a hundred and thirty thousand a year and put it towards your student loans, knock them out in two years, and then turn around and we've got a hundred thirty thousand per year that can then go towards other goals. If we're sticking all of that into retirement at that point, you know, we're going to be on a pretty fast track. Mm -hmm. Again, maybe we upgrade lifestyle a little bit further from there by a, a house and, and we have a more expensive mortgage, but say you're putting a hundred thousand a year moving forward from that point on into those retirement vehicles, you know, that's, there's a good chance that's going to be over 20% of your income unless you're in a, you know, a much higher earning specialty earning more than 500,000. Um, you know, so again, using the money productively, <laughs> you know, if we're, you know, shifting from one tool, once that to once that goal is accomplished, debt's gone, student loans are gone, and take all the money going towards the student loans and put it towards another goal, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. And I think if we're going to break it down for people, like if you are in attending, if you're in training, whatever it is, if you have excess cash flow, the good idea is to kind of approach it in the, the following order. First, contribute anything to your retirement account that gets matched by your employer. It's free money. We want the free money. Second, if you still have excess cash flow, let's put money towards our higher interest rate debts, credit cards, personal loans, things like that. And always start by paying the extra on the highest interest rate debt first. And then I would say next, let's start saving more for retirement savings. And first, we want to do that in qualified accounts. So that is a Roth IRA. It's your employer plans. It's places like that where there's tax advantages. You don't necessarily need to go to a general investment account until after you've gotten to the point where you're maxing those out. Yeah, max out all the yeah. accounts and give you tax benefits first and foremost. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's the general 
rule. We want all the tax benefits we can get. And often there's limits on how much you can put in those accounts each year. You can't go back Mm -hmm. and contribute for missed years. So let's take advantage of them while they're available to us. Definitely. And then if you do have excess cash flow beyond that, then we're going to start attacking that lower interest rate debt more aggressively. And those are probably the most productive ways that you're going to use your money, increase your net worth over time, and put yourself in a good position so that long-term you can live the lifestyle that you want to, mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, that's our goal for all of our clients. Yeah. yeah. Everyone can live the lifestyle they want to live mm-hmm. um, on their own terms. Right. And I think by doing that, by being aggressive with your goals and maybe reducing your lifestyle a little bit when you're earlier on in your career, you don't get to the point where your expectations are too high. Like that's scary for people is if you get to the point where you've increased your lifestyle a ton and you're not saving enough and you're not paying down your debts fast enough and you know you're not going to be able to replicate that lifestyle when you're in retirement. Yeah, and I think the goals piece of it is super important. I'm trying to look up um, something here that I can reference because if goals take a backseat to lifestyle expenses, you're never going to achieve your goals. But if you prioritize your goals first then, you know, the rest can all fall into place. And I retweeted someone else's thing a, a little while ago. Again, Twitter. by the time you listen to this, you're, uh, you know, this will be months back. But basically, um, you know, this guy, uh, uh, a millionaire next door is the guy who I was following and, and retweeted. But he had a good chart. The order of operations for success are salary, so earn income, mm-hmm. save slash invest, you know, or you could add pay down debt. So put money towards goals and accelerating your your financial future. Third step, pay bills and, and whatnot. And then fourth step is spend. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you're going to, you know, ultimately you're saving before spending, you're going to reach your goals. If you do it the way most people do it in America, earn income, spend. pay your bills, spend, <laughs> and then with what's left over, try and save for your goals, it's, it's going to be a futile effort. You're never going to get there. So pay yourself first. Let's make sure we're either investing for our future or getting rid of some of those debts today that will then allow us to turn around and take that extra money to invest for our future. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure we're doing it uh, wisely and, and in that right order of operations. Yeah, and I do feel like people are so much happier when they're doing that. Like mm-hmm. if you're not living paycheck to paycheck, if you're making progress and you know that you're making progress, because if you're doing these things, you know you're doing a good job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that there's just so much peace of mind that comes from that. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. The stress that goes away. Like if you're just, like you said, living paycheck to paycheck, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I got to make the car payment, got to make the, yep. you know, house payment, the vacation house payment, you know, ah, we just redid the kitchen and now I've got to pay that off, you mm-hmm. know, because it's on a high interest rate, short term loan. You know, and we're just constantly on this hedonic treadmill running in place because all of our money coming in is going to fund our lifestyle expenses. Like your, your hair is going to disappear quickly. You're going to have wrinkles under mm-hmm. your eyes. It, life's not going to be yeah. happy for you. Absolutely. If any of you ever have questions about how to apply all of this, you know, generalized knowledge to your <laughs> personal circumstances, always feel free to reach out to us because... Obviously, like Corey said, it depends. That's our favorite thing. I feel like that should be our our catchphrase for our podcast. If we can get Depends to sponsor us, (laughs) ironic. That would be great sponsorship. Yeah. So, if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us. Yes, Um, I know we just spewed a whole lot of you know (laughs) stuff all over the map here today, but Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't really in any cohesive order. But hopefully, you guys got some good (laughs) takeaways. Let's 
you know, prioritize goals, get rid of our bad high interest rate debt, make sure we're saving enough to, to achieve those goals. And really, as long as you're either investing or putting money towards debt, you're doing something right. So keep up the good work. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at theaffinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.